Hello, I'm Colin Green, and you are listening to Spike Pit, episode 82, and I'm going to carry on my with my next instalment of Board Game Brothers. This is part three. Uh, it's in two sections, 3A and 3B. Hopefully, if all goes according to plan, they will flow seamlessly together, owing to my proficient editing. <laughs> uh, unlikely, but... Without any further ado, check it out. Previously we talked about some older board game designs that maybe leaned on RPGs or scratched the RPG itch. Bringing things a little bit more up to date, so probably around about 2010 or a little bit later you start we start uh, getting into board gaming quite heavily. Uh, what are the more recent titles you think that that capture the the kind of the RPG vibe in a board game? I mean, yeah, I mean our our board gaming library between the two of us has grown massively over the last ten years, and you know it's into the hundreds hundreds of board games now. There's lots and lots of games that have mechanics I think would work in a role-playing game or may have already been used in role-playing games and I just haven't come across those games. Um, Lots of mechanics they use for their combat systems, traveling, character creation, things like that. Lots of games that are on the market now and coming to the market. The, The real modern ones, one anyone that's in the board gaming sort of hobby would have heard of games like Gloomhaven, which is, you know, it is Dungeons and Dragons, 5th edition, basically, on a board game, or certainly got many elements of 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons, but without the role-playing, really, you know, you've got the fighting, you've got the adventures, you've got the towns, you've got the campaign map, you've got your characters um, growing, new weapons, new skills, and even the game mechanics. You've got rests that are involved in the game, short rests, long rests, so even mechanics from the actual role-playing game. So, like I said, there could be people that would play that happily and, and not need role-playing. So what about the uh, the predecessors to Gloomhaven? Probably most famous, I'd suggest, Descent and Descent 2.0. Yeah, you've got your Descent, then you've got your, obviously, your Imperial Assault, or your Star Wars sort of versions, almost. Well, that's Star Wars Descent, isn't it? Yeah, basically. Very similar, again, dice mechanics and game mechanics. But they are dungeon crawls, basically, uh, on a board. So it's more like an advanced version of Hero Quest, in a way. They're somewhere in between the two. They're not Gloomhaven, they're not Hero Quest, they're somewhere in between for me. All these games have different mechanics and some very interesting mechanics, I think. They could be used in new role-playing games or to simplify some role-playing games or make combat more interesting. Because I think that is a, a failing on some role-playing games and I'd, I'd include Dungeons & Dragons in that. Sometimes the combats can get a bit stale. Yeah, I think the problem with combat in RPGs that I'm starting to realise now is that the combat is almost taking me out of the game and I think some of it is is to do with 
you're playing a sort you're sort of role playing and you you're talking about the story and then this business of right roll for initiative get the dice it's sort of um i find it jarring just recently you know the last week we've been playing there and back again and listening back to the recording i made it's quite apparent that there's no delineation between the different aspects of the games it's just seamless i think that can't be um undervalued but it is very it's a thing it's very new to me i mean it's not it's not something i've dreamt up and designers talk about it and i've i've heard other people talk about it on podcasts but this whole seamless flow if you can keep that going you can maintain that immersion that's so so important in a in a good well that i find so important in a good role playing session yeah well that's what i'm saying i think in some ways if the combat system was made more interesting or simplified or shortened um, which some of these board games do um, or at least make it more interesting or vary it then that would make the role-playing game flow better. Um, Some games don't need combat, obviously. Well, when you get to the typical role-playing game, when you get to combat, that's like you've left the role-playing game and it's turned into a board game. If you're playing with miniatures on a grid, it's a a tactical tactical kind of board game at that point for me. Not that that's that's necessarily a problem, but I do think it's... um, it's like in in your average role playing session it's as though you're playing two different games and and that may not be the best best uh, solution really yeah i think you're right i think it certainly sort of breaks down into two different two different games almost like you say the tactical part of the the game where it's it is like a board game and played like that and this is where i come back to what i said earlier where i think some people are really interested in the combat side and that's what they look forward to and they don't really want to put on a voice or do some role playing or interact with NPCs. They just want to kill stuff and get treasure. And that is what they're doing in these combat situations and they could do that on a board game. A tactical skirmish or... And then there's other people that probably want to reduce the amount of combat because they find it it is just a dice rolling exercise and heavily luck based and they don't not really interested they don't want to spend two or three hours of a session rolling dice and uh, using uh, their abilities they would be rather interacting with the other characters and the GM and the NPCs and doing the role playing side of it yeah because it's not that so you get you get people that they they maybe just want to tell a story and and um, you know, interact with NPCs and, and not really get involved with the fighting. But it's it's not really the fighting that I'd strip out. It's just the the on the grid board game aspect that I'd strip out of my RPGs and go for a I like a cinema cinema oh, I can never say that word. Cinematog oh, I can't say it. Cinematic. A, a, a cinematic <laughs> A cinematic. I like a cinematic style of play that's pretty fast moving, and I want the action, and I've got no trouble with stuff getting blown up and action sequences. But then, if that takes too long, 
then the the dramas drained away and yeah I, I think kind of reverting into a board game at the point where it should be most exciting in the session is um is not good yeah that's again probably where we vary a bit because yeah i think the combats can be slow and they tie it down but i struggle to not be using some sort of miniatures or a map or rolled d20 or something where i can see where things are and have a visual guide or a visual aid uh, for my imagination to fill in the gaps of what's going on if it's if it's just fear of the mind and it's a combat situation i do find that i'm struggling to picture where everything is and what my character does and then i start to you know don't come up with the the more role-playing side of it and it does come down to just well i'm just going to attack that guy if i could see what was going on more then i may come up with better ideas or more adventurous ideas role-play my character a little bit better so yeah i think the visual thing helps me yeah it's different to what you're saying there but yeah it certainly does sometimes drag out so a happy medium needs to be made i think what do you think the answer to that is then it doesn't necessarily sound like you've got an answer for that. No, I'm not saying I've got an answer. I'm just saying that with the board games, uh, you know what you're going to get. You go in knowing what you're going to get and you know you play the game or you don't play the game. With the role-playing, sometimes you get a lot of role-playing, sometimes you get a lot of combat, but you don't know what's going to happen. Some players like the role-playing, some players like the combat. Um, so I guess that's down to your players and the GM to know what your players like and it's been mentioned many times before with a sort of uh, session zero whatever what are you looking to get out of your role playing what do you enjoy the most what do you not enjoy the most um, I guess but it, again it's just coming back to our people just going along and joining in the role playing because they like the combat and the board game aspect or are they more interested in role playing side of it and perhaps there should be more game systems that simplify it or even sort of almost remove the combat from the from the whole game i think what you touched on about board games one of their strengths is the fact that it's clearer you kind of know what you're getting into with a board game you can look on the back of the box you can read the blurb you can see pictures you can listen to reviews and the board game is going to be played pretty much the same with different groups but you pick up a an rpg for every group that sits down at the table with a different dungeon master or gm it's very likely that you're going to get a totally different experience and that's probably a bit of a problem, maybe. I don't know. I mean, the example I would use is um, Mel, my other half. She's recently stopped doing the role-playing, uh, and she's now joining us on a Monday night doing the board gaming. And when I spoke to her about it, she said, yeah, I didn't mind it, but she liked the sort of storytelling. She liked listening to the story, being involved in the story, making some decisions but when it came down to game mechanics rolling dice what do you need to do here 
that's where she got a bit lost and she didn't quite have enough interest to look into it more and learn the rules better and you know the mechanics of the characters and that we were playing fifth edition D and D, which is probably a little bit more complicated than obviously some of the simpler systems but she got a bit put off by some of the rules and things i think and what dice to roll for what weapon you know she was new to it and we probably didn't go through it well enough with her at the start but she liked the story aspect and she liked the uh finding out what was going to happen to the characters next week type thing but yeah when the combats and things come up i think she switched off a bit so she has gone back to the ball gaming with us so from what you say there that's it's quite that's quite a strange position to be in because i'm hearing a couple of different things firstly i'm hearing that um potentially there's a question of investment player investment so getting into an rpg from the outset especially something like 5e i think it's fair to say that you've got more player investment up front than you would going into your average board game where you sit down and you're told the rules and you start playing the other thing that's i think uh maybe almost contradictory is that she likes the story and the narrative but then she don't like the 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 system stuff the crunchy crunchy rulesy type of stuff that almost seems like it's going to take a very particular type of board game to meet the the narrative requirements but perhaps board games are a little bit more straightforward with their mechanisms or more clearly defined because there's less variables well they're certainly clearer the rules are you know cut and dry generally uh, you might have to reference the rules but you look it up and it tells you yes you can do that in this situation or no you can't do that i think when we we would ask mel what do you want to do in this situation it was well, what can i do was sometimes the sort of the comeback or or what do you think I should do? Because it wasn't cut and dry what to do in the situation. And it was almost a bit overwhelming what options there are. Or well, like I said, there wasn't the investment for her for time and interest in the game to learn what she could do and what she should be doing. Um, and it's, it is quite a time investment. You know, a campaign goes on for many weeks and uh, many hours, whereas a board game will last generally an hour and a half, two hours. Um, or an evening you have a winner you have the others don't win or if you play in a cooperative you win or lose as a team and you know it's a, a one shot like you were saying before so maybe Mel would prefer sort of one shot games where you know you, you play a simpler system you know what you're doing you do a bit of role playing and, and you're finished in one night well I would say that we've done one shots i've run a number of them with mel involved and i i actually think that you're onto something there she definitely got more into those the likes of uh goblin town by ray otis was a particularly successful with mel it, it had a strong story it was quite exciting very simple i also did uh sorcerers and cell swords also by ray once again and she took to that pretty well it linked in with the 5e campaign we were playing it basically involved all the players 
playing the bad guys fighting against their 5e characters and she took to that we we've actually spoken about that before haven't we yeah yeah like i say i think it's i don't know if it's attention span to to someone that's never done role playing and was sort of thrown in at the deep end the player's handbook is quite an intimidating book i think you know it's it's got hundreds of pages it's quite a thick thick read and they're not interested in putting the investment and time into going through it and learning the system once you go into it it's not as as daunting as it looks but from an outside it is you know it puts people off and similar with board games um i teach board games to people if they look at the table and there's a 200 components they immediately assume that the, the game's going to be massively complicated and they they don't want to learn it if you gave it to them but if you sit them down and you explain the rules and it takes five ten minutes and they say well you've only got option a b or c on your turn but there's all these different components they say oh is that all you need to do it's quite simple and they then get into it and they enjoy it but they don't want the upfront investment they don't want to learn the rules because it's a 40 page rule book but it's just examples and and just laid out in that way it's not that complicated yeah i mean i get intimidated by all sorts of games if i see heavy rpgs I start thinking, oh no, you know, I've got to read all this, learn all this. Because I'm, I'm into the hobby, I'll do it and I'll tackle it. But I, I can totally sympathise with someone who sees, you know, the classic player's handbook, DMG and monster manual, and, and they just turn away from it. You show them lasers and feelings, one side of A4 paper, or goblin town or sorcerer's cell swords or you know there and back again that we like i say you know i've mentioned we're playing all, all three of the last of those by ray it's just not got that barrier to entry we sat down and played lasers and feelings at dragon meat what was it 15 minutes probably talking about it making up characters a little break for the gm to come up with an adventure based on a few questions that he asked us following character generation but all of that was done within about the space of three quarters of an hour and then we played for another a uh, space of 15 minutes and then we played for another i think it was probably an hour and a half hour and three quarters played a full session to conclusion yeah. uh, we'd never i think i might have seen that game. I, th- I think i was familiar with the game but not played it but you'd never even set eyes on it had you no, I never heard of it. The thing I liked about that was it was massively player-led. He would put us in a situation and he would say, well, what does this look like? Or, well, where did you come from? Or, what are you doing here? And they're all questions that we would just come up with answers off the top of our head. And suddenly you think, oh, yeah, I, I can understand that character. I know exactly what he looks like. I know where he comes from. I know what he's going to do. And he's got like a backstory within a couple of minutes of describing, you know, what, what his name is and, and what his um, profession is. I remember your doctor was some wacky doctor. He was a fake, basically, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he basically... Charlatan. Uh, yeah, he'd basically been chopping off all sorts of wrong parts of people and, 
and, and somehow getting away with it and got some sort of qualification off the internet. Yeah. And um, yeah, he was a real f- flyby. Yeah, f- uh, fly by the seat of his pants surgeon kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, immediately you could think of all sorts of characters you might have seen in films and come up with uh, ideas of what he was like. Uh, and as the game developed, he'd get other little bits that just added to his story. And similar with the other characters. And just, yeah, it just flowed. And uh, if there was any ever issue of what do we do in this situation, the GM would generally say, well, what do you think happened? Or how did we get to this situation? And uh, yeah, the players just ran it themselves almost. And he was almost a bystander just pointing us occasionally in the right direction. I totally could see some of these lighter games being board games, though. I think you could take almost any one of them. You could make cards based on some of these like little characters. You could theoretically throw a map in there and a couple of scenarios, and you, you could turn turn them simple one-page RPGs into board games and I think they share a lot of common DNA and this is only a thought that's just coming coming to my mind now but we've had this discussion and um, that seems like the most improvised kind of off the pulled off the top of your head style of play but interestingly it shares a lot of what board games are bringing to the table that and it to me it's it's illustrated by the example of mel and what she's looking for in a game you've got that easy on ramp you've got a limited set of mechanisms that's not sprawling so it's kind of a lightweight system like you you get in you know a more straightforward board game do you you see what i'm driving at yeah i think so um when you started saying that there, it gave me another example um, of a, a board game with a role-playing aspect of a way was uh, above and below, which is, uh, you know, it is just moving around a board to a certain degree, but you've got your own little character, you get little uh, followers or companions, and you go off on little adventures, and you go off on little quests, and you just randomly roll some dice and you see which little adventure you go on. And it's just got a big book of descriptions of your little adventure. And the player to your left or right reads out the description, gives you some options. What route do you want to take? Do you want to help the old lady or do you want to walk past the old lady? And depending on what option you take, it will give you a reward or a penalty. Um, You might have to make a small test against your skill set and your companions will give you some sort of bonuses to those skill sets. So that's a similar sort of game where, again, you've got some real basic sort of role-playing mechanics, um, decision-making things, or yeah. storytelling decision-making. Yeah, you've got that. It's basically an enlarged, it's like a great big random table, whereas in, in an RPG, the random table might just have a couple of words on it. It's each result in that game is a couple or a few paragraphs like like a chunk of story and it takes an rpg and a kind of choose your own adventure fighting fantasy idea 
mashes them together and sticks them into a a bit of a board game because you've got mechanisms for advancing and growing your your uh, little settlement or whatever it is you're doing but it's still got that collect collecting resources for points because it's a board game generally the the end result is whoever's got the most points um so you're trying to collect certain items um, but it does also play on special abilities so some of your characters special abilities or more the companions will be good at fighting or they'll be good at investigating or looking around for things or um, they may have special abilities that only affect certain scenarios or little adventures they go on so it, it does play to those those sides of a role-playing sort of game as well so I think it's quite a good example where it's crossing over because you still come back to the board and you've still got to collect your items and get your points. And But you could totally, if you wanted to, you could totally hack that game, take out the, the book of stories or perhaps keep the book of stories but introduce a referee like a Dungeon Master character and, and you could make that game, you could RPG up that game, you could dial dial up the RPG and and use the, the board game aspect, the resource management and progression in the game, you could use that as your advancement system within a, a little RPG game. It's not traditional. It could certainly be done, and I think there's a few board games that you could dial up the RPG or vice versa, take an RPG and dial up the board game, which is done more commonly you know you look at fourth edition dungeons and dragons that is basically an rpg with the arcade game and board game dialed up to a to an extent that a lot of the rpg community rejected it yeah i mean there's get these games when you talk about fourth edition there's games like arcadia quest um super dungeon explore games that were sort of like a computer game almost or an arcade game where you moved around the map with your little characters you hit a monster it drops some treasure a bit like um, icrpg yeah icrpg in that went uh, that sense where you kill stuff you get treasure uh, and that's how you advance but that was on a board game level but they you can definitely see the crossovers and where they could cross over and this is one of the reasons for this whole podcast is I think there are some mechanics out there that would cross over into the role-playing world and I think would work. There you go, that concludes part three of Board Game Brothers. In the next instalment, part four, we'll be talking about sort of some of our conclusions and ideas that have, that have come from the discussion really uh, talking about ways different ways of using dice and in particular we, we talk quite at length about cards and randomizers so um, tune in for episode four to hear how that went um, later on today i am excited to be playing in a playtest of bx essentials advanced classes with Gavin Norman of Necrotic Gnome and uh, tune into a future episode to hear how that goes. Once again, thanks for listening. Take care of yourselves and I'll catch you later.